shaken, I won't be moved, because my God is faithful, amen, his promises are true.
bless your name. Sweet, wonderful Jesus, we bless your name. We honor you, we exalt you, we reverence you. We give you glory, we give you praise. Lord Jesus, we love you and we thank you for who you are and all that you've done. We thank you for your mercy and compassion. We thank you for your shed blood and your victory on that cross. We thank you that you did for us what we could never do for ourselves. You paid the price for our sins, that we might be forgiven and we might be made right with the Almighty God. Lord Jesus, we love you and praise you forever and forever. Let that be the theme of our song. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, God bless you. Amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Well, good morning. It's so good to see everyone out this morning. Um, children, you are dismissed to Children's Church. Amen. What a good-looking group. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Oh, to have that energy. Amen. If you have your Bibles. If you would turn with me, please, to Psalm number 61. Psalm number 61, a Psalm of David, a Psalm of David. I want to talk about what to do in a foreign place. Life can thrust us. Life can surprise us. Life can suddenly, one minute you're there, the next minute you're in a foreign place. It's foreign to support. It's foreign to spirit. It's foreign to faith. We're going to find out by studying some principles as man of God gives us what to do in a foreign place. We begin Psalm 61 and verse 1, reading from the New King James Version. Hear my cry, O God. Attend or listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth, I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, I'm feeling faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. He'll take you to a higher place if you let him. Amen. Verse 3, For you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower against the enemy. I will abide in the tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. For you, O God, have heard my vows, and you have given me the heritage of those that fear your name. That's a good heritage right there. You will prolong the king's life, his years for many generations. He shall abide before God forever. Oh, prepare mercy and truth, which may preserve him. So I will sing praise to your name forever, that I might daily perform my vows. We pray, Father, we thank you for your word. Help us, Father, not only to receive encouragement and inspiration, but education. Help us to glean the principles that David shows us in this psalm, how we can turn it around and how we can respond properly in the foreign place. In Jesus' name and all God's people said. You know, I really enjoy the psalms. I find them both instructive and inspirational. Many of these chapters, to me, it's like getting a glimpse into the heart or the mind of a man of God. What were they thinking when? What were they feeling as they went through this? How did they respond to this or to that? And 
besides being what we can say is rich in devotional encouragement, the Psalms are very much devotional, they're encouraging. But beyond that, we also find many, many principles in the Psalms of how you and I can go through things, how we can face trials and overcome them and turn them around. So we find this in this Psalm, Psalm 61, it's a Psalm of David. And again, the context is important because it's a time when David's own son Absalom, he'd rebelled against his father. He wants the throne. He had, while David was unaware, he had stirred the people against. He had committed rebellion and treachery. And not only does he want the crown, he's not just content with the crown, he wants his father's life. He wants to kill his dad. So David's caught unaware of this. He didn't see it coming. He's off guard and he's forced to flee. David feels overwhelmed emotionally. He's been wounded. Life feels like it's swallowing him up. He's being suffocated by a trial that just seems beyond him. His strength is slipping away, and God seems so distant. And David in this psalm, as opposed to what we studied a couple weeks ago, he's not a young man anymore. And this thing happened so fast and unexpectedly, it just caught him unaware. So inwardly, we see he's hurt, he's offended, he's wounded. And outwardly, what he sees and what he hears is overwhelming. And from this psalm, we want to glean this morning, with the Lord's help, how you and I can find strength, set our compass back on track in the foreign place. The foreign place or atmosphere, it could be where you work. It could be when um, you're with or being dominated by your unsafe family. Maybe you're in secular school. Maybe an unexpected storm of physical or financial nature hits you. Healthy all your life, wake up one morning and everything's changed. It could just be a new season that came upon you suddenly and carries challenges you just weren't ready to deal with. You know, some places life takes us praise and peace and righteousness are foreign. There's more fear than faith. There's more confusion than comfort. It's dog eat dog. Places in life where they don't honor the Lord and nobody is humming. This is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. Amen. Come on. Uh, a place where the philosophy of the world is exalted and God's word is neglected. And how, how can we say it? And, and nobody's calling you, brother. <laughs> Life can bring us into such places that spiritually are foreign, not supportive. But God's word gives you and I examples and instructions and examples of men and women who found strength and even stood strong. In fact, they did mighty exploits in foreign places, and so can you. In spiritually foreign and hard places, you can turn things around and you can receive the grace of God and you can go through them in a way that honors the Lord. They were able to turn the distant place into a dynamic place because they knew how to respond to the trial in faith and in hope and in confidence in God. Throughout the Word of God, there are many, many examples where the pressure was great and the heartache was very bitter. But men and women of God found that rock, and so can you. They found the rock that lifts us higher. They found the rock that makes us stronger. 
enables us to sing even in the midnight hour. They found the rock of God's grace and God's power. They found the rock of God's peace that passes all understanding. That rock that lifts us up above the storm and holds us even through the darkness of nights. Your circumstance cannot hinder his amazing grace. The doctor's report cannot keep back the grace and mercy and love of God. He'll meet you right where you're at. I'm in a foreign place. I'm in a hard place. But you're not there alone. The one that said I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. He's with you and he's for you and he'll give you the strength you need and he'll lift you up above the thing that wants to take you down. Can you say amen? Oh my. Why is this so important to know how to turn it around? Because the foreign place is a place, unfortunately, where we often live in this world. Oh, yeah. And that's the place God wants us to shine. You know, sometimes, friend, as believers in a fallen world, facing our trials and tribulations as we all do, sometimes we just have to take our thoughts captive, put our emotions in check, and act out our faith. Even when it's hard, sometimes we just have to walk the walk. You're a little slow on that. Sometimes we just have to walk. Now you're getting there. Sometimes you just got to talk to yourself. Self, it's time to act what you believe. Self, it's time to practice what you... You're getting better. You're catching on. It's not complicated. And sometimes we know the answer. We just got to tell ourselves it's time to practice what we preach. I lectured to her about it. Now I got to do it. Amen. I just taught the class. Now I got to live it out. What to do in a foreign place? Oh, life can take you there suddenly without any announcement. You get no phone call, three phone calls saying you got an appointment coming up. Amen. You don't get that. No, no. Life just hits you. Here we at. Boom. So this morning, let's learn from David's example. Let's follow his pattern of how to work our faith. Principles for the foreign place. Number one, in the foreign place, let's start out by acknowledging our crisis to God. Acknowledging our crisis to God. Respond in prayer. Let's look at verses one and two. Hear my cry, O God. Attend unto my prayer. From the ends of the earth, Will I cry unto you when my heart is overwhelmed and feels like life is just drowning me? Lead me to the rock that's higher than I. In such places where it seems like things are overwhelming us and things have so taken us off guard, do not let the enemy suffocate your faith or steal your fight. You're going to need both of those to turn things around. You're going to need your faith. And you're going to need your fight. You're going to need your faith that believes that God is, even when I'm hurting, that God is, even when I'm stumbling, that God is still good and God is still faithful and God is still able and God is still mighty. I've got to keep my faith and I've got to keep my fight. Notice David didn't curl up and die. David didn't give up and throw out his membership card. Instead, he said, Lord, once I got my wits about me, the first thing I did, unto thee, O Lord, do you hear my cry? Oh God, I feel like I'm at 
the ends of the earth, but I'm calling on you. I'm reaching out to you because I know that you're a God that doesn't fail. I know you're a God that's forever faithful. Oh, Lord, hear my cry, oh, God. Answer my appeal. Go to that rock. You know, some of you were raised in this thing like I was. And if you can go back to your farthest memories, you were going to the rock. From the youngest memories you still have in your mind, you were calling on the name of the Lord. Along with mama, dad, dad, they taught you how to pray. Isn't that right? If you grew up in this thing, I don't know if you came in later, but if you grew up in this thing, you can go back to the farthest memories you have. They include calling out to God. Usually it's kneeling by the side of your bed and calling out to God. Oh, yes, I breathe into those that grew up in it. Isn't that right? Oh, when trouble comes, as soon as we get our wits back, first thing we do, I'm crying out to the Lord. Before I call 911, while I'm calling 911, Jesus, Jesus, isn't that right? Yeah. Acknowledge our crisis to God. Don't allow the enemy to make you feel isolated, that no one cares, etc., etc. He tries to cut us off from the church and cut us off from the support of the body, from faith, from the encouragement and the safety of the family. But I cry out to God. I latch hold of the brethren. Instead of giving up, I see that these two verses teach me. Do pray, don't panic. Say that with me. Do pray, don't panic. First thing I'm going to do, I'm acknowledge this crisis to God. It's nice that you can help me, but I know someone that can do everything. Amen? I might call someone later, but the first thing I'm going I'm to acknowledge, Lord, I need help. Do pray. Don't panic. God wasn't taken surprised by anything that you're facing. <laughs> and if he's not panicking, you don't need to panic. Come on, say amen. Like we say, sometimes I just got to practice what I do pray. We see two times here in verses 1 and 2. I cry out to God. I cry out to God. So the first thing, I'm, I'm going to pray. I do pray. Call on God. Cast my care and burden upon the Lord. Bring my need to God. Draw near to God. But don't panic. The Bible says, be anxious for nothing, but pray about everything. Notice here, it's a distant cry and it's a desperate cry. It's a distant cry, but sometimes life can hit us and make us feel separated from God. But we know that's a lie. I'm at the end of the earth. I'm at the end of my rope. But when everything's going wrong, don't trust your emotions. Trust your faith. When everything's going wrong, don't trust your emotions. They can be terrible counselors. Trust your faith. The truth is, he's not that far away. The truth is, victory is closer than what you think. A distant cry and a desperate cry. And there's a difference between the desperation of faith and the desperation of flesh. The desperation of faith causes us to passionately cry out, earnestly seek the Lord, call on God. There's an urgency of faith, an urgency in prayer. That's a good thing. Just resist the desperation of flesh. Where we give in to despair, we throw off restraint. We want to take things in our own hands in a carnal way. Oh, no, no, no. But when trouble comes, make up your mind to really pray. To get down to some I mean business prayer. Close the door behind you and cry out to your heavenly Father. Pour out your heart to the one that loves you and cares for you and is able to give you the grace to go through it. See, David is praying earnestly and earnestly and urgently. 
His heart has been thrown overwhelmed. He's caught unaware of all this. He feels like he's fainting under the pressure. But as he calls on the Lord, as he gets serious with God, sometimes we got to do a little more than now I lay me down to sleep prayer. I don't need that sometimes. I need some real prayer. And, and David really begins to pray and cries out to God and calls on God. And that's a key principle for God's people whenever we're facing trials and pressures and things that want to overwhelm us and drag us down. James says in the fifth chapter, verse 16 and 17, that the fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That that fervent, earnest, energetic, sincere prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It's powerful. It's effective. The Bible tells us that Elijah, who was a man just like you and I, and he struggled and had battles and had great enemies, but he knew how to pray and hold on to God. And his prayer changed things in the same way. Your earnest prayer can change things. Your sincere prayer, the fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman is powerful and effective. Has the ability to turn things around and bring the grace of God into the situation. And that grace will lift you up above it. And that grace will take you higher than it. Can you say amen? Even Jesus told his followers in Luke 18, verse 1, he says, Listen, don't, don't faint, do not faint. Men ought always to pray and do not faint and don't give up. There's a danger in life, battles that drag us down. But if we'll latch on to God in prayer, we'll have the strength to endure it. Jesus encourages us, look to the Lord in your time of need. Appeal to the Most High when life hits you unaware. Cast your burden upon God and climb up to a higher place in God. Remembering that no matter how we feel or how low we think life has somehow brought us, God hears the prayers of His children. God is faithful to respond to the cries of those He so loves. David might have been far from God's house, yet the Lord heard his cry. David felt overwhelmed. He felt hurt. He had felt he was lied about. He was abused. He was fainting. But God reached down and lifted him up. And my friend, God will lift you up. God will take you above the things that are trying to hold you back and suffocate your faith. There is a God that reaches down from on high. He goes down to the lowest places that life sometimes hits us, and he takes us above, and he puts us on the rock. There was urgency in his prayer. But it's when he prayed, and that's why the first thought is, acknowledge your crisis to God. Don't, don't just grieve over it. Don't just fuss over it. But, but do something with it. Take that burden. Take that care. Take that need. Take it to the throne of grace. And acknowledge what your need is to the God that so loves you. And when David began to do this, this is when things began to change and momentum begins to shift. And this is when God begins to revive him and restore him and lift him. He starts out feeling faint. He's suffocated. I'm overwhelmed. My heart is overwhelmed. But when he cries out to God, all of a sudden something begins to change in the Psalms. All of a sudden their faith comes alive. All of a sudden confidence is renewed. All of a sudden perspective gets back to where it needs to be. 
In the foreign place, prayer will enable you to reach further and to climb higher. In the foreign place, if you choose not to lay down and die, but to stand up and live and call on the name of the Lord and come boldly before the throne of grace, God, who might... You might feel like you're far from him, but faith can touch heaven. You might feel like life has put you in a place where no one's standing by your side and no one is encouraging you and no one really cares about what's facing you, but faith enables you and I to touch the very throne of God. We can reach further. We can go higher by our prayers in the living God. Here we see David acknowledging your crisis to God. Don't panic, but do pray. And here's the good news, friend. Listen, the Bible tells us in Romans 8 that the Holy Spirit will help us when we pray. I think some people get intimidated by prayer. Listen, if you'll pray, God will help you pray. If you'll just choose to pray, you don't got to be articulate. You don't got no Greek, Hebrew, or Italian. But if you'll just go and get along with God and talk to your Heavenly Father, the Bible says in Romans 8 and 26 that in our weakness, and life can hit us to the place where we feel weak and vulnerable and weary, in our weakness, the Holy Spirit helps us to pray. So I don't want anyone to be intimidated by feeling, well, I'm not polished prayer like this one, and I don't pray like Pastor Todd, and I can't um, speak like Brother David. What am I going to do? Oh, if you'll just meet with your Heavenly Father. If you'll just do the best that you can do to talk to him and call on him and tell him the need and ask for his help, the Holy Spirit will help you pray. I read a story some time ago and I could relate to it. It wasn't me, but I certainly could relate to it. A pastor said one day the church copier broke down. He says, I'm not mechanically minded. I said, like I said, I could relate. But, but, I, but I called the repair shop to see if they could tell me what the problem was and what I could do about it. Well, I quickly discovered that I didn't even know how to describe what was broken. I mean, how do you say it with the phone? That thingamajig, you know what I mean? That thing that, like, go, you know? Because <laughs> I found out I didn't even know how to describe what was broken. I didn't know the names of the parts or what was specifically wrong. I didn't know how to answer the questions they were asking me. I didn't even know what they meant. I just knew the copier machine was busted and wouldn't work for me. So they had to send out a repairman. And when the repairman got there while he was working on the machine, he also had to call the shop. But unlike me, he knew how to describe what was needed. He used words I didn't understand. He asked questions I didn't even know enough to ask. But the person at the shop did, and soon the copier was repaired. My need was met because someone came and communicated to headquarters in words I could not express. The Apostle Paul teaches in Romans 8 that this is what the Holy Spirit does for you and I when we pray. Sometimes we don't know how to pray. Sometimes we're just overwhelmed and we're exhausted. We don't know what to say. But the Holy Spirit knows precisely what we need and the language to communicate it to our Heavenly Father. Oh, when our heart is overwhelmed, let us pray. Let us call on God. And let us just trust the Holy Spirit to help us pray so we can pray prayers that the Father can answer. Can you say amen? Number one, acknowledge your crisis in God. Then number two, affirm your confidence in God. After you begin to pray, confidence gets stirred up. 
you start out exhausted, you start out overwhelmed, you start out just saying, Lord, how did this happen? But once you begin to pray, you restore your focus. Once you begin to pray, faith gets going. And then from just crying out with that desperation and urgency, then you can begin to really attack the enemy. Then you can begin to take it back to the enemy. Then you can begin to speak the word of faith to the enemy. Affirm your confidence. Affirm means to speak it, to declare it, to state it, to make it known. Look at verses, the last part of verse 2 and verse 3. He says, lead me to the rock that's higher than I, for you have been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. Can you say that? Hasn't God been that to you? He has been. Oh, mama, he has been. Oh, oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. You have been a shelter, a strong tower. Even though I feel like I'm at the ends of the earth, it's a draining place, a discouraging place where your name isn't praised and your presence isn't honored. Yet I know you still reign here. Yet I know you've helped me before and you help me again here. You will. Verse 6, he writes that, you will prolong the king's life. You will bring me through to see another day. Even in this, I'm still in your sovereign care. You have been and you will. This is affirming my confidence, not my fears. It's declaring my trust in God, not my frustrations with men. Even in the heavy circumstances, even in uncertain times, you can be certain of God's care and God's compassion and God's control over every area of your life. It's like the great apostle Paul when he was in a place that was certainly a foreign place, an uncomfortable place, awaiting an uncertain future as he awaits Nero's dungeon as he awaits his execution. But Paul's able to um, affirm his confidence in God. Most of us know the verse. He says, but I know in whom I have believed in. And I'm convinced and I'm certain and I'm persuaded that he'll bring me through and he'll keep me through and he'll take me safely to a new day and to a better day. He's saying, I know the Lord will make a way for me after you pray and call out to God. Then get some faith and declare your confidence in God. Don't declare your fear. Don't declare your frustration. But declare, my God will make a way for me. My God will make a way for me. My God will meet my need. My God will defend my cause. My God will make a way even when there seems to be no way. I declare it. Because he's done it before, and I know he'll do it again. Somebody bless his name. Oh, my. Affirm, state, declare your confidence in the Lord. Sooner or later, you've got to stop blocking. You've got to get on the offensive now in faith. You see, when that devil first hits you, you get knocked down. You're just trying to get up and remember your name. Isn't that right? Sometimes you get that doctor's report. You just, oh, Lord. It takes you a little while just to get back to. But then after you begin to pray. After you begin, uh-oh, all right, uh-oh, getting that second wind, amen? Oh, then you begin to take it back. Verse 3, you have been. Verse 6, you will prolong. Verse 3, you have been. We have something to base our faith upon. We have something to encourage our faith with when we're going through the trial. 
We have a history with God. Isn't that beautiful? You got a history with God. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I, I, got a, I got a record I've received. I got a record of yesterday that gives me strength for today. David can look back at his life and be encouraged to remember that God had never failed him in any of the crises that he went through. And he went through his share. And he knew God wouldn't fail him now. It's as if he's saying, God, you're not done with me yet. And sometimes faith just has to declare, God is not done with me yet. And I'm immortal till he calls me home. Amen. David writes Psalm 37 and 25. I've been young. And now I'm not so young. Some are old. I'm just not so young. But through it all, but through it all, friends, through the good times and the bad, amen, through the mountaintops and the valley, but through it all, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or God's seed begging bread. God, we got a history. Glory be to God. And you've been good and you've been faithful and you've never failed me and you're going to do it again. Glory be to God forever. I double dog dare you. Stop being so negative. Now watch your mouth. You can shun die for three hours and waste, evaporate, erase all them prayers for 30 seconds of foolish talk, of venting out of the flesh. You want God to honor your word of faith? You've got to honor your word of fear also. You've got to watch your words. Hooey. Can't say amen, say ouch. Go ahead and say ouch. I'm trying to help you. Oh, can I say it? Too many shoot yourself in the foot. Mm. Isn't that right? What did that cartoon say? We've seen the enemy and it is us. Listen, beloved, you might be feeling overwhelmed. You might think the enemy's got, feel like he's got the upper hand. But even at the ends of the earth, you can go ahead and encourage yourself in God and feed your faith on the faithfulness of God. For the one that has been forever will be for you. David says you have been a shelter and a strong tower, and faith confesses, Lord, you have been, you have been a shepherd, you have been a shield, you have been a provider, you have been a protector, you have been a counselor, you have been a comforter, you have been a friend, and I know you forever will be. Faith is going to declare its confidence in God, not its frustration with life, not its fear. of the lines of one of our most beloved hymns. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. Great is his faithfulness. Can you say amen? What am I going to do in a foreign place? What am I going to do when life has hit me and I wasn't prepared for it? I feel like I'm being overwhelmed. I'm hurt. I'm wounded. 
The insides hurt. The outsides do not look promising. I follow the principles of this man after God's own heart. A man that had more trials than most of us could ever dream, but he knew how to turn things around. And the very first thing he does, he acknowledges his crisis to God. I can run here and I can run there. I can give up and I can get better. Or I can come boldly to the throne of grace and pour out my heart to my wonderful heavenly Father who loves me and cares for me and is able to help me regardless of what I'm going through. But then after I begin to pray, and prayer puts our focus back on the Lord, Prayer gets our perspective back onto the throne of grace and the sovereign care of our God. Once I pray, faith begins to stir. My heart gets a second wind. I'm not feeling so overwhelmed anymore. I'm beginning to remember the goodness of God in the land of the living. I'm beginning to remember the good things God has done in my life and the other things he's brought me through and the many, many prayers he's answered. Oh my, God's been good. And so from there, I will affirm or declare or decree my confidence in the Lord. And this is how we begin to take it back. I'm going to declare the goodness of God. Lord, you have been and you will be. But now, number three, I want to accept my comfort from God. Interesting thought. Look at verse four. David says, I will abide in your tabernacle. I will trust. In your shelter of those wings, all the wings of God. But notice he says, I will abide. I will trust. (sighs) Come on, someone. Let's give that to Jesus. Let's just give that to Jesus. And let's abide and rest in his love. It's very human to want to be comforted by men. That's, That's very human. We need it. We need it. But it's human to want to be comforted by people. But you know what? People can't always be there, can they? Or sometimes they just cannot do what is needed. But God is the comforter of his people. Number three, accept or receive God's comfort. Because God wants to comfort his people even in the midst of that foreign place. Not after it's all done, but even in the midst of it. God desires to give us a comfort and give us a grace and give us an ability to keep a good testimony, to keep a good witness, to keep our composure, to keep our peace, even if everything around us seems to be in turmoil and in turbulence. David's been betrayed, he's been threatened, he's under attack, he's on the run, but he draws near to God and he commits that care to God. And he finds the great comfort of God is available to the people of God, even in the midst of it, not afterward even in foreign places. And we receive that comfort by casting the care and choosing to trust. Again, David said, I will, I will. That's a choice. He made a choice. I'm going to give this to God. And I'm going to trust God to work it out. I'm going to give this to God. And I'm going to trust God to bring me through. I'm going to give this to God. I'm going to trust God to deal with my enemies. Let us note, number one, God desires to comfort his people. God wants to comfort you. God wants to console you. God wants to give you strength. God, Jesus is the healer of wounded hearts. And in this world, where hearts can get wounded, in this world, our minds can get attacked by toxic tongues and hard situations. God wants to comfort us. He doesn't exempt us 
from the problems and trials that are common to man. But he promises to escort us and to help us and to keep us when we go through them. He promises that in the midst of these things, we'll find the shelter of his wings. What an image. What a comforting image to think. Even in the midst of, I prepare a table in the presence, in the middle of it all. God says, my wings can come down and comfort you as you're going through it. I want you to take a look at this. 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. What a beautiful, beautiful scripture. This is the great apostle Paul. Now, he, he, he was not a lightweight. He was a heavyweight. Amen. This man walked with God. Yet he went through trials where he felt, man, whew, I'm at the end of my rope here. Amen. And, but he finds out something. Paul went through such a trial. He said, we despaired even of our lives. We thought it was over. He says, I found out God allowed that to stretch me and teach me, and bring me to another level. I found out that God allowed that so I would not trust in me, but I would really trust in him. I found that as I went through that, that in the midst of that, God gave me a fresh revelation of one aspect of his fatherly care. He provides, he protects, but he also gives us grace when we're going through the hard times of life. He says, blessed be or praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And look at this name, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Paul says, I got a revelation. You know, sometimes if you walk by faith, you'll get a glimpse of understanding of who God is in some of the hardest spots. In some of the darkest places, you can get some of your richest revelations when you walk with God. Oh, yeah. This God of all comfort, that's not just a pretty name, Paul says. But I find out he comforts us in all our, not, not, not in all the victories, not after everything's been done, but the comfort of God is available to the people of God in the very midst of their trial, struggle, or trouble. Oh, what a beautiful thing. Make sure you... Receive the comfort of God. Make sure you recognize the comfort of God is available to you when you're going through it. It'll make you walk through things and people will scratch their heads. How could they have such an attitude? Because I've got a comfort in my heart by the spirit of the living God. I've got something giving me a grace. I've got something that's keeping me calm. I've got something that's moving me on that I know is not me. He comforts us in all our troubles so we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we receive from God. But I want to focus on that first line. He comforts us in all of our troubles. He's a God of comfort. And the interesting thing about the comfort of God, the comfort of God, this divine comfort, it, it does more than just calm us. It puts strength into us. It, it, it's more than just the, 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 the proverbial pat on the head. That comforts us, and that's good. But more than that, this word speaks of God's ability by His Spirit to put grace in our hearts, to give us the strength to continue on, to face life, to prevail over life's trials. Praise be to the God of comfort, who comforts us in all of our trials and tribulations. That, that's not just a name. Remember, every name He bears is a blessing 
that he shared. And the God of all comfort says, remember this and mark this down. When you're going through your trial and you're waiting on my timing and you're waiting on my deliverance and you're waiting for that storm to finally cease, until then, you can rely and trust and you can expect the comfort of the Holy Spirit to give you an inner grace and strength that is divine, is supernatural, it's divine in its origin, it's divine in its operation, and the Spirit of God I don't know about you, but sometimes we can wake ourselves up and pray and then we begin to speak the word of faith. But life is not a 30-minute sitcom. It doesn't end, boom, like that. Woo, everything's great again. Sometimes it's months and years. And the only way I can endure without backsliding every other day is to allow the comfort of the comforter to give me an inner grace and an inner strength and an inner peace to keep my composure, to keep my character, to not throw off Holy Ghost restraint, to keep my, my speech sweet in my confession firm in God. Oh, the comfort of the Spirit. We receive God's comfort by committing problems to Him and then choosing to trust Him to do what only He can do. And as I choose to cast my care upon the Lord, as I choose to put my trust in the Lord, it releases the working of the Spirit's comfort. It gives me a strength within to walk it through. What to do in a foreign place? David gives us the pattern and the inspiration. He says, number one, I'm going to acknowledge this crisis to God. I'm not going to just suppress it. I'm not going to give up because of it. But I'm going to take this situation to the throne of grace. And I'm going to call upon the Lord and pour out my heart to God. I'm going to tell the Lord what's going on. I'm going to ask for God's help. I'm going to make my request known. But then after you do that and you spend time in the presence of God, all of a sudden you'll recognize because now you're looking to heaven and not the problem. Now you're looking to the Almighty and not the circumstance. Your heart starts getting stronger now. You don't feel as overwhelmed now. The problem's still going on, but now you're not sinking and you're not suffocating. Why? Because you fixed your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith, the source of your strength, and your heart's getting strong. And what do you do next? Then from there, confess your confidence. Declare, O oh God, I'm sorry that I was doubting you a second ago. I'm just reminded of how you brought me through that last time. You'll do it again. I'm just reminded of the prayer you answered a few years back. You'll do it again and begin to confess your confidence in God. But now remember, sometimes the trial's not over in a day. It's not a sprint. Now, if you're going to listen, if you're going to go the distance, you got to learn how to tap into the comfort of God. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in. I don't need it after the fact. I need it when I'm still getting the worst case scenario from everyone. <laughs> I need it when the toxic tongues are still hurling. They're poisoning. I need it. because I don't want to backslide. I don't want to go up and down. Even in the trial, I want to stay steady for the Lord. And I need that comfort stabilizing my heart. Oh, my, 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 my. Acknowledge my crisis. Pray, don't panic. 
Affirm our confidence. Declare your trust. He has been. He shall be. Accept your comfort. Bring it to Jesus. And choose to trust him. And lastly, activate or apply your confidence in God. You see verses 5 through 8. First thing we see here, examine the past. This is going to pull back the trigger in your praise, in your confession. It's going to launch forth that, 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 that arrow. Examine the past. And David says, you've heard my vows. You've heard my vows. You've been a shelter. He begins to think back again. And I know this is kind of rep- repetitive of what we said earlier. But he thinks about what God has done. Why should I be afraid of this? God's promised me more than this. Why should I let this cause me to lose any sleep, man? This is nothing compared to what we face. Think about what God's done. Think of how far he's brought you. Some here, you were so lost, but now, oh, by the grace of God. Some were so hurting at one point in your life, you almost wanted to take your life. But now you know joy and peace and laughter in God. Some, how did one brother say it? I was so broke, I couldn't pay attention. But now... You're blessed, and life is good, and you're enjoying the victory from a God that lifts us up and leads us on. So we we examine the past here, and then we exclaim his praise. And you see that in verses 5, 6, and 8. He says, oh, you've given me the heritage of those that fear your name. What a heritage you and I have as sons and daughters of God. Amen? we got a blessed heritage. I mean, hell can't steal your heritage in the Lord. Confused culture, it can't stamp out the heritage you have in God. Nothing can separate us from his love. Not all oh, what a heritage you have that fear the Lord. Oh, yeah, he exclaims his praise and his promise. He speaks aloud, even in the foreign places, before the answer finally comes ultimately. We need to learn how to say thank you, Jesus, even when it's hurting. We need to learn how to say, Lord, I love you, even when it's a little still, a little bitterness is still stinging. We need to learn how to say, Lord Jesus, you are worthy whether I'm on the top or on the bottom in life. You're worthy and you're wonderful, and I'm going to give you praise regardless of where I sit. Can you say amen? You see that. He examines the past. He explains praise and promise, and finally, He expects his preservation. I love that last part. He says, preserve me. I'm going to abide, O God, and your mercy and truth will preserve me. God will preserve you. You should have an expectation that in the end, you will be standing in the victor's circle. Amen? That when you walk with the Lord, you'll go through your trials, but in the end... You'll stick with Jesus. You're going to be that more than a conqueror, and you are going to be preserved. Can you say amen? amen? Psalm 61, what to do in the foreign place. You know, during every trial, as believers that love God, you and I should always try to reach for that higher place. There is a higher place in God that we can climb, even when life is trying to drag us down. May the Lord help us to apply these principles. Now listen, as we open um, the altar, if anyone wants to come and pray, we open it for you. If someone needs prayer, certainly come down. We're going to pray for you. But the rest of us, can, can we just sing our confidence before we leave? Can we just sing our confidence and maybe receive some comfort?
from the Lord. I don't know about you, but I, 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 I love that old song. I go to the rock of my salvation. I go to the stone that the builders rejected. I run to the mountain and the mountain stands by me. When all around is sinking sand on Christ, the solid rock I stand. When I need a shelter, when I need a friend, I go to the rock. Oh, my, my, my. Amen. That's an old camp meeting song, isn't it? Yeah, hallelujah. Go ahead, songbirds. That that was your cue. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm going to pray the prayer. Let's believe God. Maybe God's going to heal someone today. Maybe God's going to touch someone today. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, God.